coming to you from Classic City, the capital of the Bulldog Nation. It's time for another edition of the podcast designed for the most die-hard Georgia fans in the country. Here are your hosts, Tyler and Curtis. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another edition of the Glory UGA Podcast. I'm Tyler, and back with me today is my co-host, Curtis. And today, we are back to our regularly scheduled programming with some hard football talk for you guys as we make our SEC East win total picks. This is something that we've always had a lot of fun with each and every offseason during the long, hot summer. Now, these aren't quite yet our stone-cold hold-us-to-them picks for the entire 2020 season. We will make our official, official season predictions in August the week before our first game like we do each and every year. But the win totals, they always give us a chance to kind of dive in into the early part of the summer and kind of just discuss our initial takes on teams in the SEC and a couple throughout the country. And honestly, we just love talking football, and this is a really fun way to do that because you actually get to talk about the teams, uh, project where they might finish, and you know, maybe even possibly disagree a little bit. And that's Always fun to do on shows like this little lighthearted debate, never hurt anybody. And Curtis and I will probably disagree on a few of these, and you guys will probably disagree with some of our picks too, and that's fun. We'd love to hear what you guys think. You can hit us up on Twitter, at Glory underscore UGA. Let us know where you agree, where you disagree, what teams you might be putting money on, like what lines are kind of intriguing to you. We'd love to hear that. Uh, the debate, the tension, that's a big part of what makes college football in my opinion at least, the single greatest thing in the history of the world. So we will get to those picks in just a minute, but first I want to give a shout out to Hill Dog for being the most recent listener to not only rate the show on Apple Podcasts, but also post a nice review. We really, really appreciate the kind words from Hill Dog and everyone else who has taken the time to help us out on that front. I know it might not seem like that big of a deal, But believe it or not, it really actually is in the world of podcasting. It really helps us out. So thank you, thank you, thank you to everyone who has already rated and reviewed the show. And if you haven't had a chance to do so yet, no worries at all. I know life is busy. Trust me, I know that. But if you get a chance, we would really, really appreciate your help. We are close to the goal of 200 ratings by the time we uh, get out of the summer here. And we're up to 196 now. So we're really close. Just a few more will put us over that hump. But all right, let's get things rolling here on the show today. And we're going to start with our four SEC East picks. Remember, we each have to make four SEC East picks before moving on to the ACC and or Pac-12, if you go that way. And let's start with a little Homer talk, Kurt. Did you have Georgia as one of the four bets you made in the SEC East? Yeah, I have a 5,000 with them going over. All right, so you got Georgia over 5,000. I, I over, that's exactly, dude, that's exactly what I have. I have the dogs over $5,000 battery. Tell me why we're going over. I mean, if, if they're losing any game, I'm going to go with the uh, uh, Alabama game. I still don't think Florida is what everyone's hyping them up to be. Um, so I don't, and then I don't see us losing to any of the other teams in the East. Um, I don't see a South Carolina this year. Well, I mean, it, you can't predict that's going to happen. Like, like did, can we lose to South Carolina like we did last year or another team like that? Sure, we could. But, like, you'd be crazy to predict that's going to happen. Like, if I had to wager money on it, I'm not wagering that that's going to happen. It could happen. We saw it last year. But to wager money on that, like, there's – no, you can't go that route. All right, so you, you're not buying into Florida. And as I said earlier, we're going to talk about Florida a lot more in the coming weeks as we get closer and closer to the 2020 season. But, Kirk, give us a quick little – overview here why do you not see us losing to florida what what is it about this gator team um i think kyle trask is grossly overrated um he's not a mobile guy and i think that we're gonna have a lot of speed on defense and the the key to beating trask is to keep him in the pocket and get pressure on him and that's exactly what our defense is built to do next year yeah and he's most successful when he throws a deep ball but he's not gonna have time to throw the deep ball against us and you don't have a van jefferson that what i mean you're still hoping Grimes takes the next step and becomes, you know, what it, he was, what the recruiter said about him, but he hasn't shown that. Yeah, I, he has not shown that yet since he's been at Florida. He's been good, solid. Like you've seen it in flashes, but he has not been that guy yet. Not saying he can't be that guy, but Grimes has not been that guy yet. I, I'm glad you mentioned Trask here because this is the reason I'm so confident in us beating Florida this year. And I, I know this goes contrary to everything that everyone in the national media is saying right now because it has become the pick du jour right now 
uh, in the world of college football to pick Florida. I mean, especially you've got loudmouth Mullen at the helm. I mean, oh god, yeah, I got. Uh, I don't know. I, I think I've got to the point now where I'm not sure. Like this changes based on the teams and and the players and the teams and the coaches and whatnot and in the situation year to year. But I'm not. I think it's got to the point where I'm not sure there's anyone I like beating more than Florida right now. Are you there with me? Yeah, because I just can't stand down Mullen. Yeah, I mean, Florida always is a, is near the top of the list of teams that we hate the most and top rival, obviously. But Dan Mullen, dude, just take he's taking it to another level for me. I just I can't stand the guy, and, I, and maybe it's not all just him. It's just it's the the fanboys he has in the in the national media that at every single turn just promote him as the greatest coach in the history of the world, and that it's 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 just taken as absolute fact that he's a better coach than Kirby Smart, which I find hilarious considering he has never beaten a Kirby Smart coach team. It's, it's well, truly hilarious. Years, too, he's been a head coach for almost 10 years now and hasn't won a conference championship. It's like – I just – I don't know if there's a coach in America who has as many fanboys as Dan Mullen who's ever who's never I mean, it's also because you have these coaches or, you know, these people in America like Dan Wolken and people who just love that he gives them sound bites where Kirby just shuts them out completely. Yeah, well, that, that's part of being a coach and being a successful head coach. Like, you, why does a head coach need to give the opposing team fodder to to work off of? Like, you don't need to give them bulletin board material. It's ridiculous. That's that's part of coaching. I, they just somewhere along the way, I guess you know. And look, to his credit, he did a good job coaching up quarterbacks. He was an offensive coordinator. He uh, go back to Alex Smith at Utah, and you got Tim Tebow at Florida, uh, Dak Prescott, Mississippi State as well. But he's also had some some flunkers there at quarterback as well. I think I don't know if it's so much Dan Mullen as as a result of Dan Mullen just benefiting from talented guys at the right time. And uh, he's kind of made a, re- a reputation off that. But as a head man, he's been a good coach. No, I'm not saying he's not a good coach. He's been a good coach. But this idea that he's the, the best coach in the SEC, uh, I guess outside of Nick Saban, uh, and just in general, he's better than Kirby Smart. When they I, want to brag that he does the most with less talent, like that should be the, the case coach at Florida. Yeah, that's the thing. And, and, and I'm sorry, in college football, I don't know about you, Kurt, but – Recruiting is at, at don't you consider that at least half the job? That's why he was a decent coach when he was at Florida because Urban right. Meyer would recruit for him. Exactly, exactly, exactly. Uh, yeah, he had tons of players to work with there. So, I, look, this this idea that Kirby Smart is just is just a recruiter, and I, 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 obviously Kirby's a better recruiter. That, that's no, there's no question there. But I also take issue with the fact that we that people want to just claim that Dan Mullen is a better overall coach than Kirby Smart. Like, I, I find that laughable. Again, Dan Mullen has never beaten a Kirby Smart coach team. I'm not. I'm talking about going back to when when Kirby was at Alabama as well. Has never beaten a Kirby Smart coach team. I saw. I think I there was a stat I saw somewhere. I can't remember where it was, but it's, I think he scored under his teams have averaged under five points a game going into the fourth quarter. I have to, to double check that. I'll come back on the next show and double check that. Somebody fact check me on that. I think they've averaged less than five points a game going into the fourth quarter against Kirby Smart coach teams. That ain't getting it done. If, even if it's in somewhere close, even if that's not the exact right number, and I'm, I'm misquoting it there, if it's anywhere close to that, which I think it is, that's that's crazy. Uh, and, and, and I think with Dan Mullen, what they also say is like, okay, he's such an offensive mastermind. And I think a big part of that, the reason that people promote him as a better coach than Kirby Smart, is I think most people in national media it, who make these lists and make these proclamations and have microphones in front of them, I don't think they understand defensive football. I don't. I think offensive football. For well, not average exactly. fan, they also think that they also think that uh, Todd Grantham's one of the best coaches in in college football, and I don't know where that sentiment comes. No, that's from. laughable. Again, laughable. No, no, just no, no. Yeah, but I, I mean, go back to what I was saying. Like, I just, I, I, I truly think your average football fan understands offensive football more than they do defensive football. I think with defense, like, okay, you got a pass rusher. And you've got a guy that can cover, and I don't think they truly understand the X's and O's as much as they do offensively. I think off- offensively, people just get it a little bit more, your average fan, than they do defensively. So I think that plays a role in why some of these national pundits are always throwing Dan Mullen up as this preeminent mastermind from an X's and O standpoint. And he's, I saw something I can't remember again. I'm sorry, I can't remember. Well, Dan Mullen still claimed the fame of Tim Tebow, like they still hype him up over Tim Tebow, and that was almost 15 years ago. Dak yeah, Prescott's absolutely. a better quarterback out of uh, his system than he was in Mullen's system. Yeah, I totally agree. And, I, and I, I, again, I can't remember where this comes from. I'm sorry I could never remember, guys, who I hear these things from. But because I just kind of just go through the day, I read a lot of stuff, and I don't always remember where it comes from. But I did see one of these national pundits somewhere say that Dan Mullen is better at what he does than Kirby Smart is at what he does. And I just laughed out loud at that. Like, like 
Obviously, Kirby Smart is not like our offenses haven't been great. We know that. But to suggest that Dan Mullen is just the easy choice as as better at what he does offensively than what Kirby Smart does defensively is ludicrous to me. Like to, to not even have it to say it's not even a discussion, just to end the conversation, and just assume that Dan Mullen's better. Like what like how how do you support that argument? Because I just do not buy that in any way, shape, or form. So I know we're kind of going off the rails here, but this whole floor conversation, it is a big part of it centered on these national pundits. Just they prefer Dan Mullen over Kirby Smart for whatever the reason is. I don't agree with that. And you can call me a homer. That's fine. I probably am. Well, most of them don't like Kirby Smart ass. Oh, absolutely. And he's not necessarily media, super media friendly all the time. He can be grumpy. There's, I, I watch every single press conference the guy has. Sometimes he comes in there, he's in a great mood, a jovial, kind of joking around type mood. And sometimes, like, he just does not want to be there. And he can be very prickly. And he can he can be tough to deal with, and I don't know if Mullen is. I don't I don't watch all of Dan Mullen's press conferences. He has crazy eyes. I know that Dan Mullen looks like he's like I don't know if he, he's high on something, man. When he's doing it, I, I, was it after the 2018 game when we beat them in Jacksonville? You remember that press conference after that game, Corey? Did you happen to catch that? It was no. anyone who caught that. You guys know what I'm talking about. Like it, it, he he was like unhinged, and I'm like, dude, that's a horrible look. But nobody wants to talk about that. But anyway, let's go back to on the field stuff with with Florida because I think Florida is is the this the hinge here, right? Because even if we let's just say we're going to lose to Alabama, I'm not sure I'm ready to say that for sure. We have absolutely have a chance to go in there and beat Alabama. But let's just say at Alabama, even if we're chalking it up as a loss, right? So right there, that's one loss. We have to win the rest of the rest of the games on the schedule to get the over ten. So Florida is to me the hinge one is the hinge game here. Okay, this is the swing game, and I just don't see us losing to Florida. My big question is where in the world are they better than us? Oh, at what position on the field? I would say tight end, and I don't know. I don't know. Okay, like kicker maybe tight end and kicker. That's about kicker. it. I mean quarterback. I don't believe. And now that we have Newman, no. defensively is an absolute joke because. This is probably one of the best uh, defenses Kirby's had. But there, this is the position on the field defensively they're better than us at. I mean, in, in no way, shape, or form have they recruited better than us at any position either. No, I mean Kyrie Elam is a really good player at cornerback. He is. He's a good player. But that's one guy. That's one guy. And Marco Wilson has been so overrated. I know he's dealt with injuries, but he's been so overrated. But we got Eric Stokes. You've got DJ Daniel. You got Tyson Campbell. You got Keely Ringo coming in this year. I don't. There. I. I'm not say. I'm. I am not here to say that Florida is better than us at corner. Maybe traditionally, but I'm not saying this year, no way. So I honestly I think tight end and kicker are the only two positions right now where you can say coming into the year that Florida is going to be better than us. And honestly, as good as Kyle Pitts is, he's a really good player. I'm not going to downgrade him. He's a good player. But I, I don't think it's impossible if we look back at the end of the year where our tight ends might perform just as well as Kyle Pitts. Honestly, like we don't know that yet because we haven't seen McKinney do it in our in our system. He hasn't done it at the level that Pitts did it last year, and we haven't seen Darnell Washington at all. But there is a world where those guys end up being better than Kyle Pitts. I'm not – I would go with Kyle Pitts now. He's really good. But I don't think it's out of the question. Do you, Kurt, to say that potentially at the end of the year we might even be better there? Well, I think we could be deeper too when you add in uh, Trey McKinney. Yeah, I, I absolutely I think so. So I, I just I don't know honestly outside of maybe two positions where are they better than us? Is Dan Mullen just that much better? Like even even if let, let's chalk it up and let's just say even if we conceded that Dan Mullen is a better coach than Kirby Smart, which again I don't believe that at all. But let's just say that everyone else is right. Is he that much of a better coach where he can overcome that talent deficiency pretty much everywhere on the field? Is he that much of a better coach? I, I don't. No, I don't believe crazy. so. It's crazy. I mean, they lost to the. Worst Georgia offense in years. Absolutely, exactly. They could not get it done against the worst Georgia offense of my lifetime. Of and my that's lifetime. when they had, you know, you had P Ryan and all that. You had a pretty uh, senior or a pretty experienced yes. group of skill players, and you still couldn't do anything. Florida had. Let's just be real. Florida had more talent last year offensively than they're going to have this year. And our offense was the worst it has been. And I'm dead serious when I say this in my lifetime. So to me, our offense just needs to improve. If, if our offense improves by small degrees this year, with what we have come back defensively, I don't know what the difference is going to be this year between us and Florida. I don't know why it's gonna, why the results going to be different than it has been the past couple of years. I just don't see. I mean, other, the last two no, years they picked they picked Florida to be the team, and it really hasn't happened. They just keep doing it till one time they're right. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I. I understand, guys. Look, I understand this is costly what we're talking about. Anybody can be anybody on any given day. We could come in and we could play our absolute worst game against Florida and lose that game. I'm not saying it's impossible for us to lose them. But, again, if I'm putting money on it, 
what on earth is there to suggest that Florida is going to beat us coming in this year? Like, honestly, realistically, other, other than the fact that like, well, here's everything you see from the national media is all surface level when it comes to Florida. It's all, oh, yeah, well, they, they have a quarterback that's returning. Georgia doesn't. Georgia has a new coordinator coming in, a new system. They didn't get spring practice. And we think Dan Mullen's just so much better than Kirby Smart. So, yeah, you know what? We're going to pick Florida. Based on what? Like, seriously, that, that's what you're basing your picks on? Like, you're putting your credibility on the line based on that flimsy take? Really? That's that's what you're going with? Like, come on. Like, let's go a little deeper, Kurt. Like, like I said, our offense just needs to improve in small degrees. And I hear talk about the schedule, how easy Florida's schedule is. And I, yeah, okay, that, that's very true. But if you look at our schedule, because that, that's one of the big things that people are talking about picking Florida over us in the East this year is that their schedule is easier than ours. And I, I don't necessarily disagree with that. I do, I do think they have an easier path. But here's the thing for us. The game, our, our season, getting, the, getting to Atlanta, is going to come down to Jacksonville. Even if we lose to Alabama, we just need to beat Florida and not slip up against an inferior team, don't have a South Carolina this year like we had last year, and we are still winning the East. I don't care how easy Florida's schedule is, so we'll have the tiebreaker over them. And going back to Kyle Trasker, as you were mentioning earlier, that honestly, I know this sounds crazy because he's one of the reasons people are picking Florida over us. It's really it's three things: it's the schedule, Kyle Trask, and Dan Mullen. Those are the three factors that are leading all these national opponents to pick Florida over us. And I think that's just surface level, just trash. And the reason I'm honestly so confident in beating Florida is because of Kyle Trask. I don't think Kyle Trask is that good, especially with our defense. And hear me out on this. I know people are saying I'm crazy right now because he came in, led him to ten wins last year, all that whole nine yards. Okay. Cool, great, awesome. Just hear me out on this. The teams that give Kirby Smart defensive issues are teams are, mobile teams. are what? Teams where the quarterback's mobile, like Joe Burrow and stuff like that. Yep, it's dynamic, game-changing quarterbacks. You have to be a dynamic, game-changing quarterback to truly give our defensive troubles when Kirby Smart has, a, has an elite-level defense like he has this year. And, guys, I'm here to tell you, that ain't Kyle Trask. Trask is stable. He's solid. He's consistent. But he is in no way dynamic, and in no way is that man a game changer. Not even close. And if you go back and look at the history under Kirby Smart as a head coach here in Athens, there's three things that have spelled trouble for us under Kirby, okay? Three ways that teams have beaten us. Three things that have caused us to lose games. Number one, if teams are able to stop our run game and then man up on the outside. If if they're good enough to to be able to stack the box and man up on the corners and just shut us down completely like South Carolina did last year, then we have a tough time winning games. Like that, and that's, that's also that's, with the old offense. At, exactly, with, with the old offense. So that, that's one way the team's been able to beat us. South Carolina is an example of that last year. Uh, another way, the second way the team's been able to beat us is get up on us early and force us to have to throw to win. You can use Auburn in 2017 as an example, Texas in the Sugar Bowl uh, uh, at LSU in 2018, and LSU in the, in the title game in 2019 uh, last year. Those are all examples of how teams got up on us early for various reasons. And things didn't go our way, and they kind of just kind of steamrolled on us. It was just an avalanche, and we would kind of just never reach up and get our breath in those games. And we had to throw to win, and it took us out of what we tried to do offensively, and we just could not come back in those scenarios. Okay, that's another way teams have been able to beat us. And then the third way teams have at least given us trouble, and not all those teams have beat us, but the teams have given Kirby Smart defenses trouble here in Athens are teams with dynamic quarterback play, whether it's Baker Mayfield in the Rose Bowl. Tua in the, in the national championship game, coming in and changing that game. Hurts in 2018 in the SEC title game. Joe Burrow in the SEC game last year. Or even Sam Ellinger, maybe to a lesser degree, in the Sugar Bowl in 2018. Those are the three ways teams have beaten us. Okay, We've lost seven games over the last three years, and each of those losses is directly accountable to one or more of those factors. And I, and I, gave, out, I gave the examples there for you guys. So this year, I will, like, as you said, Kurt, this year the recipe may be different with a new coordinator. Maybe you take out the first one, stop our run game, and man up on the outside. Uh, maybe the recipe is different this year. But in the past, those three things are the, have been the recipes to beat us, okay? And if you look at Florida, Kurt, this year, do you think they're going to be able to stop our run game? Do, do they have enough defensively to slow us down? No. I, they I, lost so much, and they haven't yeah. replaced Absolutely. Gonna, like you said, I mean, is Britton Cox going to be the guy? I mean, come on. Yeah, they're counting on Britton Cox, the guy that couldn't like – honestly, the guy that basically cussed out one of our coaches because he finally realized, oh, wait, I'm not going to play this year because all these guys have surpassed me, and he couldn't handle it, and he flipped out and blamed the coaches for it, and now he's on another team. So he couldn't hack it here, and he's supposed to be their savior, he's supposed to be their best pass rusher this year? He is? Okay. All right, we'll see. We'll see. And like You said it, Kurt. 
We had the worst offense of our lifetime last year, of my lifetime last year, of your lifetime last year. And Florida still couldn't stop us enough to beat us then. Why are they going to stop us this year when our offense how, – or how are they going to stop us this year when our offense is going to be better and their defense is going to take a step back, in my opinion, with a lot of the losses, the C.J. Hendersons uh, of the world, the Zanigas of the world, the Grenards of the world, the Reese's of the world. All those guys are gone. They lose their best inside linebacker. The guys they return there are straight-up average. They lose their two best defensive linemen. And sure, we lose some guys in the offensive line, but we have a ton of talent. We've actually recruited well over the past couple of years, multiple players with starting experience, and you throw Jamie Newman in there, which is a totally different factor as well. So I don't see how Florida's going to have more success stopping us this year than they have in the past. Um, and are they going to get up on us early? I mean, that's tough to know. Like, that's tough to predict. Uh, but I would say absent some bad turnovers or special teams play that gives them easy scores, it's tough to imagine they're going to strike early and often on our defense to the point that we're taken out of our game plan completely. I just, it's possible, but it's tough to predict, but I, I don't know. I don't know if I buy that right now. And that comes down to the last factor here. Does Florida have a difference maker quarterback, a dynamic player at that position? Kurt, one more time. Yes or no? No. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. And here, I'm, I'm going to take this one step further, right? I'm not going to do the, the national pun at just service level take on this. No, I'm going to give you some real analysis on this. Hear me out on this, girl. I want you to tell me if you agree or disagree on this. Kyle Trask is Jake from in blue. Pretty much. I mean, the only reason they won that Kentucky game is, yeah, he came in and completed some passes, but that's Franks was just so inconsistent. Kentucky was down to like their third string quarterback at that time. But I mean, outside of that, he didn't really do anything that jumps off the page at you against anyone that really mattered. Yep, I agree. And, and let me read you some numbers on this, all right? Jay Fromm's I mean, number you know he, I mean, he's like Fromm when, when you, they played us fourth and one, they're instead throwing to their tight end instead yep. of running it with a powerful quarterback. Yep, yep, absolutely, absolutely. And if, and if you look at the numbers, it bears out what I just said. Jay Fromm's numbers in 2018 were better than Kyle Trask's numbers last year. And what is the overall perception of Jay Fromm right now after it's all said and done? That he was a good, solid game-managing quarterback, right? I think that's a general consensus for most people, right? And, and Florida fans would tell you that Kyle Trask, they were, they were screaming from the high heavens last year that Trask was better than Jake Fromm. But guys, Jake Fromm's numbers in 2018 were better than what Kyle Trask put up last year. Fromm in 2018 completed 67% of his passes for nine yards in an attempt, 30 touchdowns to six picks. Trask, I know he didn't start the season, but it was very, I think halfway through, so I think it was like two and a half games that he uh, did not play. I think he came in halfway through the third game. He completed 67% of his passes, solid, 8.3 yards per attempt, good. 25 touchdowns, seven picks. Jake Fromm's numbers in 2018 were better than all those, okay? In fact, Jake Fromm's numbers in 2017 as a true freshman were almost as good in every category as what Trask put up last year. Jake Fromm, really the only area he was under Trask in 2017 as a true freshman was completion percentage. Fromm completed only, he completed 62% of his passes as a true freshman. Trask completed 67% last year. But Jake completed nine yards per attempt as a true freshman to 8.3 per attempt for Trask last year, had 24 touchdowns and seven picks to, to Trask 25 and seven. So Fromm as a true freshman was extraordinarily comparable to what Kyle Trask was last year. So I'll say it again. Kyle Trask is basically Jake Fromm. He's a smart, stable quarterback who will protect the football. He can excel when the talent around him is elite, when you have guys like Van Jefferson around you. But 95% of the time, and I, I will say 95% of the time, just like Jake Fromm, Jake Fromm, most of the time, had us in position to win games because he makes the right play the majority of the time. And Kyle Trask, I think you say the same thing. He's going to have his team in position to win most of the time because he usually makes the right play. But when you're facing the elite of the elite of the elite, he's not the kind of guy that's going to put the team on his back and go out and win a game for you against a big-time opponent. And newsflash, guys, call me a homer if you want. We are a big-time opponent. Our defense will unquestionably be the best defense he faces in the regular season next year. And I have not seen anything from him to this point to suggest that he is capable of going out and winning a game, putting a team on his back, leading them to victory against that kind of defense. I just have seen no evidence of that whatsoever. So, again, even if we lose to Atlanta, I ain't scared of Florida. And we should be everyone else on the schedule. So I say 11-1 right now. We'll obviously be talking about this a lot more as the season goes on. But I actually talked about Florida a lot more than I wanted to here. But you got me going, Kurt. You got me going with the Dan Mullen and Kyle Trask stuff. All right, so there's our Georgia talk. But we've got three other picks each to make here in the SEC East. So let's get to it, Kurt. What is your next pick in the SEC East? Who are you putting money on? I'm going to go with 5000 that South Carolina comes in under 5.5. Under 5.5. All right. 
Okay, you and I, okay, we have a difference on this. I think I actually have them going over. So you t- t- tell me why you have the Cox going under five and a half. I honestly don't believe that they're going to have a good team. And outside of, you know, the Sisters of the Poor type part of their schedule, I don't know who I really see them beating. Yeah, I mean, I get what you're saying. There's, they're a team, again, I think, I think I saw somewhere, I can't remember exactly where I saw this, but I think maybe it was Bill Conley. Someone had them as the toughest schedule in America for the second straight year. They, they had that honor, I guess, last year. And it looks like they're going to have that again this year. Because, I mean, you, you, you have to play Georgia, Florida, and Clemson on your schedule. That's three top, preseason top ten teams right off the bat. And them's a, a team I think would be a sleeper in the SEC West this year. You also got to play LSU. So really potentially four preseason top ten teams on their schedule. That's like, I, don't, I don't think there's anyone else in America that can – even come close to saying that and not, not to mention the other teams in the SEC that can jump up and beat you any given Saturday when you're South Carolina. So I, I get where you're coming from there. If you look at it purely on schedule and I'm not confident in this at all. I, I, I this is basically my, I had to go for, I had to have four picks in the SEC East and this was my last one. This is the last one I came up with. And I put the minimum bet on this one. I put a thousand dollars on South Carolina to go over. Now here's why I have them going over. I have I have four wins off the bat for them. Coastal Carolina, East Carolina, Wofford, and Vandy. Vandy is just – I mean, Vandy's terrible. I, I, Derek Mason is almost certainly going to get fired this year unless there's some miraculous recovery, which I don't see any way it's going to happen with, with what they have coming back this year. So that's four wins right there. So you, you have to give me two more wins the rest of the way to get to six, okay? So I have definite losses against Georgia, Clemson, at LSU, at Florida, and AM as well. That's five losses. So I, I don't think they go better than seven and five. But there's a couple of games that I would consider toss-ups that I think they have a shot to win. Missouri at home, Tennessee at home. I know everyone's expecting Tennessee to be improved, and I'm on that that bandwagon, I guess. I don't, I don't know if I'm all the way on it, but I think they will be improved on the field this year. But So that game's at Williams-Brice. It's a really tough place to play. Tennessee is still very much in the building phase. Like Tennessee's not to the point where they can just say, oh, yeah, we're we're just going to roll our hat out there and we're going to be all those teams we should be. Tennessee's not there yet. So I'm not ready to say that's a full-on loss for Carolina. At Kentucky is going to be a tough one for them. They kind of got over the, the Kentucky hurdle last year. I think that Kentucky's – I would probably favor Kentucky in that game, but I don't think it's out of the question that, that Carolina could potentially win that game. I, I just When you look at the South Carolina team, defensively I think they have some good pieces – the defensive line, especially, they've recruited really well there. Zach Pickens was a five-star guy a couple of years ago. Aaron Sterling's coming in his senior year. Rick Sanchez hasn't really lived up to the hype, his recruiting hype yet, but he's still a good, solid player. Uh, K- Kyrie Thomas is back from an injury that cost him almost all of last year. They just got Jordan Birch, five-star, top-ten prospect nationally. I know he's going to be a true freshman, but that's a guy that can come in and can potentially make an impact right away, along with some other good players on the defensive line. They got two really good cornerbacks in J.C. Horn and Israel McQuamu. We saw that up close and personal last year here in, in Athens at, at Sanford Stadium where they just basically manned up on the outside, stacked the box, and dared our receivers to beat them, and we flat out couldn't. They just they suffocated us on the outside. Those guys can play. The offense is a concern, though. Uh, it's pretty bare offensively outside of Shai Smith that we're a receiver. He's a good player. They lose Brian Edwards, who's their leading receiver in the history of the school. Tough to replace him. But, but Shai Smith's a good, solid player. I'm not completely sold on Helensky. Um, and maybe it was some freshman stuff but that I saw last year that I wasn't really high on, and maybe he'll get over that this year. But he's not over athletic. He had trouble reading defenses, and it was just up and down accuracy. Just the inconsistencies were all were, were basically characteristic of his play all year last year. They do bring in a transfer, a grad transfer, with Bobo from Colorado State, Colin Hill, coming off another injury. I think he's had like three or four ACL tears coming off another one. But he's going to be there to compete. A guy's not coming here just to sit. We'll see who wins that job. At running back, I have concerns there. Their only chance to be above average is, is if Marshawn Lloyd is ready to come in and be a star right away, a, a highly rated running back at a high school this year. So offensively, I do have concerns, but I'm, I'm a believer in Mike Bobo. I, I have a lot of respect for the guy. I don't really hope they do well, but I, I do respect Bobo. And defensively, I think they're good enough to potentially get – uh, some wins against Missouri, Kentucky, or Tennessee. I, I, I guess they got four wins that are that are going to happen for them. Can they get two more? I'm not overly confident. That's why I'm only going with a thousand. But I'm going to take the over on the Gamecocks to go over five and a half. All right, Carl, who you got coming up next? Um, I'm going to go two thousand on uh, Tennessee going over. 
Because, okay. I mean, outside of the, the, the tough four games, I just don't see them playing that tough of competition. And they get, and it's they have a lot of good teams at home. Yeah, I, it's it's an interesting setup for Tennessee. So the the over their their win total set at seven and a half. So you have them getting eight wins, right? Just eight, yes. Yeah, eight wins. And so you had two thousand on Tennessee to go over. And this is one I kind of agonized over. I guess that's the right word. Agonized a little bit over this one because I kind of went back and forth for actually initially I was with you. I, I was coming into this expecting to go over. When I saw the number, I was like, yeah, I'm gonna go over. I think Tennessee's an eight win team this year based off uh, the progress I think they're gonna make in year three under Jeremy Pruitt. But then I kind of looked at it a little closer and I'm here's another one where I'm actually just slightly different than you. I had I think I have them a, a, as a seven and five team this year. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna take Tennessee going under and I'm a little bit more confident in this one than I was South Carolina. I've got I'm putting four thousand down on Tennessee to go under seven and a half. I do think they're going to be better on the field, but you got to think that's relative to what they're, where they're coming from. Like they've been so bad for so long. Like they still only have beaten one SEC team with a winning conference record over the last three seasons and only two over the last four. Now I know that doesn't necessarily have anything to do with 2020 with this season, but it is at least indicative of, in some respect of the talent level they have on that team. They've recruited better under Jeremy Pruitt, but still not at an elite level. So, Kurt, when you look at their schedule, who do you have Tennessee beating this year? Do you have them upsetting Florida at home? Because to me, that's – that's No, I have them losing to Florida, Georgia, Alabama, and Oklahoma, and then winning the rest. Okay. So you have them running the table outside of the big boys. Yeah, exactly. And that's why I think that – they're, it's it's like their schedule always is, where they lose all the big boy games and they win some lighter ones. So then you think, oh wow, they're a good team. Yeah, that, that traditionally Tennessee's schedule. If you guys, I, don't, I know you you guys all follow this. It's it's set up that way where it's it's low, it's top heavy in the first half of the season, and then it really lightens up late in the season when you get the Kentuckys, the Vanderbilts, the Missouris of the world. But it's a little bit different this year for them because they we've basically flipped our game with them in Auburn. So we play Auburn early and we play Tennessee late. We play Tennessee November 14th after we play – a couple weeks after we play Florida. So that might throw a little a wrench in their plans. But like outside of that, the, the fact still remains. They've got at Arkansas, Kentucky, Troy, and Vanderbilt. And then we're thrown in there as well. It's a little bit different than them, but still outside of our game, coming here to Athens, it's not an, a murderer's road down the stretch for them. So when I look at their schedule, here's what I've got. Uh, I've got definite losses at Oklahoma – I don't think Oklahoma is necessarily going to be as good as they have been recently this year, but I still don't think Tennessee's ready to go into Norman and win that game. I got def- I, they're definitely losing to Bama. They're not ready for that yet. I got them losing to us when they come here to Athens. That's three losses right there. I'm calling Florida a probable loss. I I don't think Florida is as talented as the national media is making them out to be, but I still think they're more talented than Tennessee. But it is in Knoxville, so it, it's possible they can they can win that game. And to me. The, the over-under on Tennessee comes down to that Florida game. If they win that game, I think they're going to go over 7.5. I think they'll get to 8 wins. Because, But if, if they lose that game, so that gives them 4 losses right there, they have to run the table the rest of the way to get to 8 wins. And I'm not sure, like I said when I was talking about my South Carolina pick, I'm not sure Tennessee is good enough yet. I'm not sure that program's to the point yet. Even though like they probably should be, they're all those teams. you got Charlotte, Furman, at South Carolina, Missouri at home, Kentucky, at Arkansas, Troy, and at Vandy. They probably should beat all those teams. So I don't think you're crazy saying that. Girl. Like Those are games, those are, was that, eight games they should almost certainly win. But I don't think Tennessee's at that level. I don't think there's stability enough in the program. I don't think there's stability enough at the quarterback position, the most important position on the field right now, for me to just have the expectation that Tennessee is going to go out there and win every single game they should win. I mean, heck, we haven't done that. Like We, we didn't do it last year. So I, I just don't know if I have the belief that Tennessee is ready to do that. Yeah, I think they slip up somewhere along the way. So if they lose to Florida, and that gives them four losses with Oklahoma, Bama, Georgia, Florida, I think they're going to slip up somewhere on the way the rest of the way and uh, and end up with a 7-5 and five record. I can see what you're saying, Kurt. I mean, they should run the table. They should run the table and get those eight wins, get Charlotte Furman, USC, Missouri, Kentucky, Arkansas, Troy, and Vandy. I just don't know if I believe in them yet. I don't know. We'll see. But let's go ahead and move on to our final picks in the SEC East before we move on to a couple of non-conference picks. Kurt, who do you have with your last pick in the SEC East? I'm going with a $5,500 bet that Kentucky is under seven wins. Okay, so Kentucky 5500 on Kentucky to go under seven. All right, now, this is one I didn't go with. All right, so why is Kentucky going under seven? 
Um, you look at the schedule. I have them losing to Florida, Auburn, Georgia, Louisville, who I think is going to continue to get better and better under their new coach. Um, yeah. Then I also have them potentially losing to Mississippi State, and then I'm throwing in the uh, Tennessee game. You throw so you're throwing Tennessee as a loss for Kentucky. Yeah, I'm going to throw them losing to Florida, Auburn, Tennessee, Mississippi State, Georgia, and Louisville. Or yeah, Mississippi State can be one, but I have them going six and six. Yeah, six and six. Yes, yeah, yeah. I think I look at. I mean, I looked at all these these over unders and 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 considered all these games. I didn't go with Kentucky because. There are some games in there where I feel like there are too many complete toss-ups for me when it comes to Kentucky. You're right. Like Mississippi State, I could see you know Mike Leach and company coming there with the air read and getting that win. But I could also see Kentucky win that football game. That's kind of that's one of those toss-up games. I think they should. I, I would probably favor Tennessee uh, in that game in Knoxville. I think at Missouri is a toss-up game. At Auburn, I, I'd probably give Auburn the edge here. South Carolina at home is a toss-up game. At Florida, I'm probably going to give Florida the edge there. And Louisville, you're right. Louisville under Scott Satterfield, I mean, he's got things moving in the right direction. There's some positive momentum in Cardinal country right now. But, yeah, I don't know. This one is one I had to stay away from because I wasn't completely confident either way on this one. There's too many toss-ups. So I just didn't quite feel comfortable enough to go with the Cats. Either way, there's just too much variability in that schedule and what they could end up being this year. All right, Kurt, so that does it for you with your SEC East picks. Got a couple more picks here in just a second, but your East picks are now all in. And just to recap real quickly here, and correct me if I got any of these wrong, but I've got you down with South Carolina going under 5.5 wins with a $2,500 bet. I've got you over 7.5 wins for Tennessee, kind of buying into the vol hype a little bit there with a small $2,000 bet, just a little bit over the minimum. You've got Kentucky going under seven wins with a $5,500 bet. Pretty confident there the Cats are going to go under. And then you've got our dogs with a nice $5,000 bet to go over 10 wins. Does that sound right? Yeah. All right, cool. Let's keep rolling. All right, so I got one more pick in the SEC East here that I'm going to run through real quick, and then we'll move into our non-conference picks here. We're just doing two of the conferences, two of the other Power 5 conferences this week. We'll do the other two next week with our SEC West picks. But my final SEC East pick, and this is like the perennial like dark horse, at least the past couple of years, is the Missouri Tigers. Their their win total was set at five. I know they got a new coach or some turnover there. I get that. But looking at their schedule, I'm going over five, and I'm going over big time. I'm going with a 10 thousand dollar bet on Missouri Tigers to go over five wins in 2020 and I know that sounds crazy because Missouri was not great last you're like year. a national pundit one day you'll get it right Missouri <laughs> that's right if you keep throwing Missouri out there eventually you're going to be right Charlie dear Charlie I think had them going 11 and one last year that did not work out. I had I was pretty high on them as well not that high but uh yeah they didn't quite work they started off pretty high outside that opening game loss to Wyoming and then completely fell off the map once Clay Bryant went down but if you look at their schedule, they have very winnable games. So if, if it's at five, hear me out on this, Kurt. I'm not saying Missouri's going to be a great team this year. I'm not going to say they're going to be a contender. I don't think they're going to be a contender in any way, shape, or form. But look at their schedule. They've got, uh, to me, these are automatic wins. Central Arkansas, Vanderbilt, who's just terrible, Eastern Michigan, Louisiana Lafayette, and I'm still not – giving Arkansas any credit. They got Arkansas at the end of the year. I think Missouri is better than all those teams. I think Missouri wins all five of those games. That is five wins right there. Central Arkansas, Arkansas, Vanderbilt, Eastern Michigan, Louisiana, Lafayette. Five wins. Five wins right there. So that literally means they have to win one game the rest of the way. Now, those other games are not necessarily easy, but I've got to believe they're going to find a way to, to win one of those games. You got at South Carolina, Tough place to play, very winnable game. Kurt, you yourself had them going under the five and a half, the Gamecocks. At Tennessee, I'd give Tennessee the edge there, but I don't think it's out of the question that Missouri could maybe win that game. At BYU, nah, probably a tough game. But I think Missouri is capable, potentially, if things go right, to of winning that game. Kentucky at home, that is a very winnable game for them. At Mississippi State, another very winnable game. I'm not sure I would make Missouri the favorite of that game, but very winnable. At Florida, probably not going to win that game. But, again, all they need is one of those games. And, and obviously Georgia as well. They get us at home, but I don't think we're going to lose that game. We'll see. They gave us a, a 
nah, it wasn't a tough game. They, they had a good second half against us last time we were there two years ago. But that was a different team, different coach, different quarterback, whole nine yards. But again, just one of those games, and they go over. I have confidence they're going to do that. I think they're going to be better this year. I, I believe that. Kelly Bryant's gone, but you got Sean Robinson coming in as a transfer from TCU. He set out last year. He was never great at TCU. Turned the ball over a little too much for my liking, but he has he has talent. He's got a skill set. It's a dual threat type guy. Got two really good running backs in Larry Roundtree and Tyler Beatty that kind of complement each other very, very well. I think they have a lot of potential at receiver. Jalen Knox kind of had a sophomore slump last year at receiver, but he's very capable. He showed that as a freshman. Cam Scott's a guy that I think is also a capable receiver for them. They're also getting Damon Hazleton as a grad transfer from Virginia Tech, who led the Hokies in receiving in 2018 and was their second leading receiver, just missed being the leading receiver for the second straight year by a couple of yards last year. Good, solid receiver. You've got some really good players defensively. Not up and down the defensive roster, they've got some stars. Nick Bolton is a stud at linebacker. Kobe Whiteside had seven and a half sacks from the interior defensive line position last year. That dude is legit. Tyree Gillespie is a really good safety. They have a, they have a guy at every single level of defense. Again, I'm not saying they're going to contend, but they have enough talent, in my opinion. I, and I think Eli Drinkwitz is a good offensive coach. I know he's coming in. Uh, he's only got one year as head coach under his belt. Had a really good year at Appalachian State last year. He's a good offensive mind. Was at NC State when they had uh, some big years a couple years ago. I think he's a guy with a good offensive mind with some talent to work with that can come in and get to six wins and get to bowl eligibility. So I'm going big with the overall Missouri. I'm going with 10,000 bucks, 10,000 large on the Tigers to, to finally prove us right here. Once, once and for all, eventually got to happen at, at some point. Right. All right. So let's move on here. We've got each guy, two more picks. We're going out of the conference here, Kurt. So you have all the ACC teams and we're going to include Notre Dame in the ACC, even though they're not actually a member of the ACC, we're going to throw them in there. And every team in the Pac-12 to choose from. So I don't care if it's ACC, Pac-12. You got two picks left. Who you going with as your first non-con pick? Oh, I'm going to go 8,000 with Clemson. I just don't think there's anyone there that can challenge them. Okay, so I really wanted – I knew you were going to – because, like, this is the obvious one, right? So I knew that you were going to go over on Clemson, so I didn't want to have the exact same one as you. So I went a little bit different, but you're totally right on uh, with Clemson. I mean, let's look at their schedule here. I'm going to pull this up real fast. You've got the Clemson Tigers. I mean, the ACC has just gotten to the point. Like, there were a couple, like not too long ago, the ACC was looking pretty stout. Like it was kind of a conference on on the come up, but that is just not the case right now. At Georgia Tech, no way, not losing that game. Louisville at home, no. Akron, no. Virginia, no. At Boston College, no. At Florida State, I mean, if Florida State can start to play up to their ability, maybe they'll give them a game, but I don't see that. I still don't see the Florida State beating them this year. NC State at home, not losing that. Syracuse, not losing that. At Notre Dame, is there any chance Notre Dame can pull off the upset at home? No. Notre Dame costs way too much. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm with you on that. I, I think it might be a decent – it'll be a better game than the other games on Clemson's schedule, but I don't know if I have much of a chance to get Notre Dame on that one. Uh, Citadel, no chance. At Wake, no chance. South Carolina, no chance. You're right. Like They're, they're going undefeated. They're, they're going undefeated. That's happening. So I knew you were going to do that, and I can't blame you because it's 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 easy pickings. you got to take it. So uh, I went with a different team, though. I actually am extraordinarily high on the North Carolina Tar Heels going into 2020. I think this team is going to – I honestly, I think they're going to win the ACC Coastal. Their win total is a set at 8.5. I got them going over with a $3,000 bet on that one. I and thought about going with Tech. I think three games was too much, too little for them. For Tech, yeah, I considered Tech yeah. too. I mean, Tech. The the thing is, like, you're you're right. The ACC is just so bad. Like, they could they could get some of these games. But if you look at like, okay, pull up Tech schedule here. You've got Gardner Webb. They're going to win that game. Uh, you've got what's the other? See, other than that, I don't know if they have like a surefire definite win because they're non-conference. You got Gardner Webb. You got UCF. Ugh, I don't know. Georgia, not happening. And then they got Notre Dame as kind of the rotating partial ACC member. They got them in Mercedes-Benz this year. So they don't have like the – if they had like two or three gimmies, sure. I just That's why I didn't go with Tech. Though. I just don't know outside of Gardner Webb, like where are the gimme games for them. But that's certainly a possibility for them to get to four, uh, four-ish, five-ish wins this year. Uh, but I got North Carolina, man. I, and I'm pretty confident in this one. 
I got them going over the eight and a half win total. And there's a couple reasons why. Clemson is not on the regular season schedule. That is a big reason why. There's no Clemson loss there like they had last year. They almost beat Clemson last year, but didn't get it done at home. Uh, now, they do have some tough non-conference games. They actually open the season with, with two of those. At Central Florida, that's a tricky game to open up with. But Central Florida is not quite – at least last year, they kind of, kind of took a step back from where they were a couple previous years. Auburn is is like the – the Chick-fil-A kickoff class is doing this weird thing this year where they're having a, a game the second week of the year as well. And that's going to be Clemson and Auburn. So that's a neutral site game. I'm not sure Auburn is going to be that great this year. I think Auburn's maybe a 7-5, 8-4 team again. I think North Carolina has a really good chance to win that game. They might lose, but I think they have a shot to win it. And they're at Miami, uh, but, they're, but the rest of their toughest games come at home. I think they've got definite wins against James Madison, Georgia Tech, Virginia, Duke, UConn, BC, and NC State. Uh, possible losses, Central Florida, Auburn, and Miami. But – I think they got enough to get to nine. They've got 10 out of 11 starters back. They've got a, a, just a load of great receivers with Diami Brown, Bo Corrales, Daz Newsom. We got, they got three legit dudes out there. You got Michael Carter, Javante Williams come back at quarterback to go with Sam Howell at quarterback, who's coming off an incredibly good freshman season. I'm really high on the Tar Heels. And part of that is because I don't think the ACC Coastal is that good uh, outside of maybe Miami. But – I, I feel pretty good about the Tar Heels going over the eight and a half. I'm putting 3,000 on them. All right, you got one more pick, Kurt. Who are you going? Are you saying the ACC or are you going Pac-12 on me? I'm going to go 2,000 on uh, USC. Okay, USC over or under? Over. Okay, I strongly do. I strongly consider this. In fact, this was one of my – I've been losing to Bama. I believe they play Bama to start the year. But I, outside of that, I don't see them losing three games. I, I, dude, if you look at their schedule, I am totally with you on this one. Uh, I'm trying to pull up their schedule here real quick. So if you get Notre Dame, so I believe see. they get Notre Dame home this year. They do that. At the end of the year, they got Notre Dame at home in the Coliseum. So Alabama, they're, they're almost certainly going to lose to Alabama. But this USC team has some dudes coming back. They have, I, actually, I think, I think this number, they have 11 starters coming back on, uh, on defense. I think literally everybody coming back on defense. Uh, they have the majority of their guys coming back. Uh, the major key players coming back on offense. You've got Keaton Slovis, the quarterback, coming back. You've got all the receivers coming back except for Michael Pippen, who was their best receiver last year. He went to the NFL. you got Tyler Vaughn's coming back. you got Drake London. you got Amon Ross St. Brown. And you've got, maybe most importantly of all, they were able to keep Graham Harrell intact, which I think is a big reason they kept Clay Helton around. I think they're going to put up a lot of points, just like they did last year. I think their defense is going to be better than it was last year. If you look at the Pac-12 – I don't know, man. Like, who are they? Like, I, let's, let's just say they lose to Alabama. New Mexico, that's a win, right? Yeah. At Stanford, probably a win. Arizona State at home, is that a, is that a win or is that a toss-up for you? I, be, I believe it's a win. I mean, I think Slovis is going to be the, the, one of the sleeper quarterbacks of the best yeah. quarterback in the country. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I think he's going to be – yeah, I totally agree with that. I think he's going to be really, really good for them. At Utah, you got the fighting Jake Bentleys. Jake Bentley transfer mysteriously transfers from South Carolina all the way out to Utah. Weird. Uh, but he's out there. And then they're at Utah. Utah's been good, but they've lo- they lost a ton. Last year was the year for Utah. This ain't the year for them. I got USC winning that game. Cal at home, they're going to win that game. At Arizona, they're not losing to, to, to the Wildcats. No. Colorado at home, they're not losing that game. At Oregon, Kurt. I think Oregon, while they have a good uh, defense stuff, offensively they're going to take a step back. Oregon's going to take a step back offensively. I do agree with you there without Herbert. Uh, that's a tough place to play, but but let's let's say let's even just say Oregon's a loss. That's two losses, right? Yeah, and and the over happen. under for USC is eight, so they, they have they have a couple games, to, so they have three games to play with here. So that's that's two losses. They can still lose one more. You got Washington at home. Washington with a new coach, new system, new quarterback. I don't. I, I think USC's better, right? Are you with me there? I am. Yeah, UCLA. They're going to beat UCLA. I know it's at the Rose Bowl, but no, UCLA ain't ready for that. And then Notre Dame, even if they lose Notre Dame, that's nine and three right there. So maybe the swing game is is Arizona State, and I, but that's at home. And I know Jay Daniels is a good quarterback for Arizona State, but I think Keaton Slovis is better. I, I, I think USC has better overall talent. I know USC recruited incredibly poorly last year with all the hot seat talk around Clay Helton, but that's not going to really necessarily affect them this year because they have so much coming back. And it's going to affect them in the, in the future, but not so much this year. This year might be that one I say the year where they can actually have a pretty big season and maybe, who knows, potentially win the Pac-12. I wouldn't be stunned if USC won the Pac-12. I wouldn't be stunned. So that's a great pick, Kurt. 
I, I'm with you on that one, actually. But uh, my final pick here, I'm actually going to stay in the ACC. I considered USC, but then I changed my pick at the last second, and I'm going with the Miami Hurricanes. Their win total was set at nine. I'm going to under nine for Miami. Um, yeah, nine. I, ooh, that's high for them. Yeah, that's what like, I was just. I, I, had, I totally had had the whole thing, all my notes typed up for USC, ready to go with them. And then I was just kind of. I took one last glance through all the numbers just to like check and confirm that I felt good about all of them. And then I was like, Miami nine. How did I miss that? And then when I saw that, I was like, dude, I no, no, I got, I got to change my pick. Miami nine. Ain't no way they're getting the ten wins. Not happening. I mean, if you look at their schedule, sure, there's some easy wins on that schedule. Temple, Wagner, UAB, Wake Forest, at Georgia Tech, Duke. Those are probably all wins for Miami. That's six wins. But then the rest of them, and like, I don't, I don't know if they have any like surefire losses. But the rest of the games are toss ups, and they got to go. They have to go to Michigan State, which I know that's a weird situation there. They're losing a lot. You got a new coach coming in with Mel Tucker. I, I'd probably give Miami the edge there, but that's still a tough game at Michigan State. Pitt at home, I might give Miami the edge there. But the remaining games on their schedule, I don't give Miami the edge. I think you got at Virginia. All right, to the back. I give, I would give them the edge at Virginia, but then FSU at home. Virginia Tech on the road and North Carolina at home. I do. I would not favor Miami in any of those three games right now. And they're, they're going to have to win one of those three to get to ten and not slip up anywhere else. So I just don't have the confidence in Miami. It's kind of like Tennessee. Like Miami's getting, they're going to be better. They're getting better. They're recruiting better. But I don't think they're to the point yet right now where we can say that Miami should just, is going to go out there and win every game they should win. I just don't have the confidence in that right now. And I know Derek King is coming in. You got Rhett Lashley coming in as offense coordinator, formerly at Auburn. Uh, had a top 10 offense at SMU last year. Got two good tight ends in Brevin Jordan and Will Mallory. And got some good players defensively. Gregory Rousseau had 15 and a half sacks last year. Jalen Phillips was a former number one player in the country that went to UCLA originally. He's transferred down to Miami now. Quincy Roche is a grad transfer from Temple at 13 sacks last year. So they got some guys defensively, but that offense was as bad as our offense was, Kurt. Did you actually watch Miami last year at all? Did you watch any of their games? I actually put myself through a couple of those games. And that offense, as bad as our offense was, I know this is hard to believe, Miami's offense was worse. It was worse. And I know they got Derek King coming in, a new coordinator, just like we do. But, man, I, I, I don't know if they have the talent level that we have to work with right now to where I'm expecting them to get to 10 wins. I know it's the ACC, but going through their schedule, I just don't – I don't see them getting to 10, man. I don't see it. So I'm going Miami under 10 wins with a $2,000 bet because that's all the money I have left to play with. I would go with more than that, but uh, I'd already kind of thrown money elsewhere. So Miami under 10, $2,000. Let's do it. So to recap real quickly here, again, Curtis went South Carolina under five and a half, Tennessee over seven and a half wins, Kentucky under seven, Georgia over with $5,000 on us to go over 10 wins. He's got Clemson in the ACC going over 11 and a half wins. That's his biggest bet in the day going with $8,000 on the Tigers go undefeated in the regular season. And then he closed it out with Southern California, the Trojans, going over eight wins. My picks in the SEC East, I got the dogs, man. I'm confident in our dogs to go over 10 wins. I put $5,000 on us to do just that. I've got Tennessee coming in under seven and a half. So I disagree with Curse a little bit there. And I'm putting $4,000 down on that. My biggest bet of the day was Missouri Tigers to go over five wins. Put 10,000 large down on them to do that. South Carolina, not super confident on that one. I got $1,000 on the Gamecocks to go over five and a half wins. Outside the conference, I got the North Carolina Tar Heels to win the ACC Coastal and go over eight and a half wins. And then sticking the ACC Coastal, I got Miami to go under nine wins. But all right, guys, that does it for us today here on the Glory UGA podcast. We had a lot of fun doing this. It's always fun to do this during the offseason. We will do the SEC West and the other two Power 5 conferences, the Big 12 and the Big 10, next week on the show. I know that's not necessarily directly Georgia-related, but it's close enough. It's the college football offseason, and this is just kind of fun college football offseason talk. So we'll get to that next week. We'll also be back later this week, so make sure to check back then. For Curtis, I'm Tyler. Thanks for listening, and as always, go dogs.